بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما the last few weeks we have been talking about some of the events and incidents that happened after the Battle of Al-Khandaq, after the Battle of the Trench, also known as Ghazwatul Ahzab, the Battle of the Confederates. So that battle took place in the fifth year of the Hijrah of the Prophet So the last couple of weeks we spoke about some of the incidents and events that took place after that battle and inshallah today we will continue to talk about some of those events. So now we're in the sixth year of the Hijrah of the Prophet And one of the important events that took place during this time was a battle known as Ghazwah Banil Mustaliq. Ghazwah Banil Mustaliq, the battle of Bani Al Mustaliq. So the Prophet he received some news that Al Harif ibn Dirar who was the chief of the tribe of Bani al-Mustaliq, he was planning an attack on Medina. So before they could come and attack Medina, the Prophet ﷺ prepared his army and he set out first. And the flag of the Muhajireen was given to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq And the flag of the Ansar was given to Sa'd ibn Ubadah So the Muslims, they came face to face with Bani al-Mustaliq at a place called Al-Muraysi' and this is a place between Medina and Mecca and it's a place that's known for its wells. It has wells of water. So this is where the two armies met. So before the battle started, the Prophet ﷺ told Umar ibn al-Khattab to tell the people of Bani al-Mustaliq to announce to them, say the kalima, just say la ilaha illallah. Qulu la ilaha illallah, tamna'u biha dima'akum wa amwalakum. He told them, say la ilaha illallah, become Muslims, and by becoming Muslims, you will protect your lives and you will protect your wealth. We are not here to fight you just for the sake of fighting you and taking ghanima, taking spoils of war. No, that's not our purpose. We would rather you accept Islam. You become Muslims and then you keep your wealth and you keep your lives. Our happiness would lie in you becoming Muslims. Many of the tribes, the Arab tribes, they were known to fight each other and start these battles and wars with each other for the purpose of taking the spoils of the war just for the purpose of collecting the wealth. But the Prophet ﷺ wanted to make sure that these people knew that this was not their purpose. This is not the reason why we're fighting anyone. It's not to take your wealth. We would rather you become Muslim and you keep your wealth and you save your lives. But if you refuse to do this, then we will fight you and we will take what we have the right to take. So the Prophet ﷺ told Umar ibn Khattab to tell them, قُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تَمْنَعُوا بِهَا just say la ilaha illallah, enter Islam and your wealth and your lives will be safe. But they refused. They refused to accept Islam, so the battle ensued. And the battle started with shooting of arrows from both sides. And that went on for some time. Then the main part of the battle began. Ten Muslim soldiers attacked ten of the front line of the soldiers of, of Bani al-Mustaliq. 
So 10 Muslims attacked 10 of the frontline soldiers of Banil Mustaliq and they were able to kill all 10 of those soldiers from Banil Mustaliq very quickly. Very quickly, those 10 soldiers from Banil Mustaliq on their front line, they went down and their flag went down along with them. So when Banil Mustaliq saw the way that this is going, they immediately surrendered. They knew that they have no, cho no chance of defeating the Muslims. So when their 10 front men fell down and their flag fell down, they immediately surrendered. And once they surrendered, of course, they were taken as slaves. They were taken as slaves. And they were distributed to the Muslims. Now, the daughter of the chief of the tribe, the daughter of Al-Harith ibn Dirar, she was a young woman named Juwaria bint Al-Harith. She was given as a slave and she was given to the portion of one of the companions named Thabit ibn Qais ibn Shammas radiallahu anhu. So she came into the portion of Thabit ibn Qais ibn Shammas. She made an agreement with Thabit that she would buy herself out of slavery. That she would buy herself out of slavery. She made a contact, uh, contract with Thabit for this, for her freedom. And then after she made this contract with Thabit to buy her freedom, she went to the Prophet ﷺ for help in buying her freedom. So she explained to the Prophet ﷺ her situation and she asked him to help her to pay the amount that she had to pay to Thabit ibn Qais to buy her freedom. So the Prophet ﷺ said to her, and remember who this is, this is Juwairiya bint al-Harith. She's the daughter of the chief of the tribe. She's the daughter of Al-Harith ibn Dirar, the chief of Bani al-Mustaliq. And the Prophet ﷺ understands that she is a, a woman of very high standing. She is an honorable woman and she has a very high position and a respected position within her tribe. So the Prophet ﷺ said to her when she came to him for help to buy her freedom, the Prophet ﷺ said to her, what would you say if I offer you something even better than what you are asking for? I will pay your ransom and I will marry you as well. So she agreed and she accepted Islam and she married the Prophet ﷺ. And her marriage to the Prophet ﷺ was the coming true of a dream that she had had a few days before the battle. So Juwariya she had a dream and she said that in this dream, the full moon came from the direction of Medina and it fell down into her lap. The full, the full moon came from the direction of Medina and it fell down into her lap. So she had this dream a few days before the battle of Banil Mustaliq. So when the Prophet ﷺ married her, it was a realization of that dream. That dream of hers, it came true. So now, anha, she's married to the Prophet ﷺ. So all of the other members of the tribe, they are the in-laws of the Prophet ﷺ because of their relationship to Juwaria. So now these people of this tribe, they had been taken as captives and slaves. But now the Sahaba, they said to themselves, look, now these people that we have as our slaves, they are actually related to the Prophet ﷺ. Now they're part of the family of the Prophet ﷺ because he's married to Juwaria. So there's that connection they have now to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Sahaba, they consulted amongst themselves 
and they said we cannot take the family of Rasulullah, the in-laws of Rasulullah, we cannot have them as our slaves. As an honor to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and out of respect to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we will free all of the captives. So they had taken a hundred families, a hundred families as their slaves from Bani al-Mustaliq. And due to the marriage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to Juwariyah, the Sahaba they decided on their own, not from the order of the Prophet ﷺ, but they decided on their own as a show of respect and honor to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, that they would free all of those captives of Bani al-Mustalib. So all of them were free. A hundred families freed, alhamdulillah. So this was the barakah of this marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Juwariyah Now when the people of Bani al-Mustalib, they saw this honorable treatment Look, they freed us because of their respect for their, their messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They felt inclined towards Islam when they saw this akhlaq of the Muslims. So the whole tribe accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. So the father of Juwariyah radiallahu anha, Al-Harith ibn Dirar, he became a Muslim. And the whole tribe of Bani al-Mustaliq, they accepted Islam. So this was barakah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave through Juwariya bint al-Harith radiyallahu anha, umma al-mu'mineen, our mother Juwariya bint al-Harith. So this was a very, very important event that happened after the ghazwa of Bani al-Mustaliq. The whole tribe accepted Islam after seeing the honor of the Muslims, walhamdulillah. Aisha radiyallahu anha, she said no woman was more of a barakah, more of a blessing to her people than Juwariyah bint al-Harith. There is no woman who was ever more of a blessing to her people than Juwariyah bint al-Harith radiallahu anha. Because of her and her marriage to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they were all freed and they all became Muslims alhamdulillah. So this was a, a blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the people through Juwariyah bint al-Harith radiallahu anha. Now Juwariyah radiallahu anha she was very well known for her ibadah, for her praying, for her fasting, for her sadaqah, for her dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A very, very pious woman. And there are a number of narrations that mention about her sadaqah and about her fasting and about her dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she was a very devoted Muslimah. She was a very pious person, a person of taqwa radiallahu anha wa ardaha. So after this battle, of Bani al-Mustaliq at al-Muraysi' the Muslims stayed in this location al-Muraysi' for a few days and as we mentioned it was a place where there were wells of water so they stayed there and they drank from those wells at one point while they were there there was a man from the Muhajireen there was a man from the people of Mecca from the Muhajireen and his name was Jahjah and he went to get water from one of the wells. At the same time, a man from the Ansar, his name was Sinan, he went to get water as well. So they both went to the well to get water at the same time. So there was a bit of an altercation between them. Who got there first? Who has more of a right to get the water first? So this altercation between this Muhajir and this Ansari, it became heated. And it reached a point where it got so heated that 
the muhajir jahjah he called for the muhajirin he said ya lal muhajirin come to help me o muhajirin and sinan the man from the ansar he said ya lal ansar o ansar you come and help me so the muhajirin they came to defend jahjah and the ansar they came to defend sinan so they're face to face the muhajirin and the ansar they're all muslims all companions of the Prophet ﷺ, but the tribalism came into them at this point. So the Muhajireen ready to confront the Ansar and the Ansar ready to confront the Muhajireen and it got heated. A lot of harsh words were exchanged between the Muhajireen and the Ansar and it was getting very heated. It was getting very serious. So someone went to the Prophet ﷺ to tell him that this is happening between your companions, between the Muhajireen and the Ansar. They're about to fight. So the Prophet ﷺ quickly came. He quickly came and he was upset. He was upset at this tribalistic type of thinking. They're all Muslims. Why are the Ansar going against the Muhajireen? The Muhajireen are going against the Ansar. It should not be like that. Surely the believers, they are all one brotherhood. There's no room for this type of tribalism in Islam. So when the Prophet ﷺ quickly came to diffuse the situation and he said Abi are you calling out with this call of jahiliya this call of ignorance this this call of tribalism is a call of ignorance while i am still amongst you you are calling out with this call of jahiliya this tribalism it has no place in islam and the prophet ﷺ said about this type of thinking tribalism type of thinking he said but leave this leave this because it is something that stinks this type of attitude racism tribalism this type of thing has no place in islam so they realized their mistake and alhamdulillah the situation calmed down so you see the sahaba they are the best generation and they are the best people after the prophets of Allah, but still they are human beings and they can fall into the errors that human beings fall into from time to time. But once they realize their mistake, they calm down, they apologize to each other and Alhamdulillah, things were okay. Now, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, and remember who Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is, he is the head of the Munafiqeen. So he was there at the expedition of Al-Muraysiyah. But he was not present at the well when this altercation happened. He was part of this expedition, but he was not present at the well when this disagreement between the Muhajireen and the Ansar took place. But the news came to him that this is what happened, that the Muhajireen were about to fight with the Ansar. So when he heard about this, when he heard that this altercation had taken place, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he was very angry. And he was from the people of Medina. Abdullah ibn Ubay was from the tribe of Al-Khazraj, which was one of the tribes of Medina. So when he heard that this altercation took place between the Muhajireen of Mecca and the Ansar of Medina, he was very upset. And he said, how dare the Muhajireen, the people of Mecca, how dare they do such a thing? First, they come in to our city and they overcrowd our city and they take our resources and they take advantage of our generosity. And then he mentioned an old, old saying of the Arabs. He said, you know, our analogy 
with the Muhajireen. The example of the Muhajireen with the people of Medina is like the old saying of the Arabs. Sammin kalbaka ya'kulk. If you make your dog fat, then eventually it's going to come and eat you. So basically what he said, this is what we are doing with the Muhajireen from Mecca. We are giving them and we're helping them and pretty soon they're going to get strong and then they're going to eat us. This is what he said about the Muhajireen, the people who left Mecca to practice their religion in peace in al Madina. So this was the saying of the head of the hypocrites, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud. So he advised his fellow munafiqeen, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he advised the other munafiqeen who were in his circle. He said, you know what we should do? He said, لا تنفقوا على من عند رسول الله حتى ينفقوا. He said, we should stop spending on the muhajireen. If we stop spending on them, if we stop helping them out, then eventually they will leave our city. They will leave Medina and we won't have to deal with them anymore. And they also, he also said, Abdullah ibn Ubayy, he also said, لَإِن رَجَعْنَا إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ لَيُخْرِجَنَّ الْأَعَزُّ مِنْهَا he said, when we return to Medina, when we go back to Medina, the honorable ones will expel the disgraceful ones. And what he meant by that, what he meant by that was that we, the people of Medina, we will expel the Muhajireen. We will kick out the Muhajireen. We will expel the Prophet wasallam and the Muhajireen of Mecca from our city. And he called himself and his fellow munafiqeen. He said, we are Al-A'az. We are the honorable ones. And he described the Prophet wasallam and the Muhajireen of Mecca. He described them as Al-Adhal, the disgraceful ones. This was the level of the nifaq, of the hypocrisy of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, such to the extent that he insulted the Prophet wasallam in such a way. So this was a conversation that Abdullah ibn Ubay had with his circle of hypocrites. But there happened to be a young boy, a pious young Muslim boy who heard this conversation. He overheard this conversation. A young boy named Zaid ibn Arqam And it is mentioned that he was a young boy. He was a teenager or maybe even less than a teenager. He might have been even 10 or 12 years old. A young boy. And he heard Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul say these words to his circle of munafiqeen. So Zayd ibn Arqam, this young boy, he told his uncle that I heard Abdullah ibn Ubay say such a thing. So his uncle went to the Prophet and informed him that my nephew Zayd, he's saying that he heard Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul say such and such. When Umar radiallahu an heard about this, Umar bin Khattab radiallahu an, when he heard about this, that someone is talking like this about the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, Ya Rasulullah, order Abbad ibn Bishr. Abbad ibn Bishr was a relative of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. So he said, order Abbad ibn Bishr to go and kill Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. Because surely Abdullah ibn Ubay is a munafiq and it is clear from this that he is a munafiq. And then the Prophet said to Umar bin Khattab, Ya Umar, do you want the people to say that Muhammad kills his companions? 
If I order for the execution of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud, what are the people going to say? They will say that Muhammad kills his companions. Do you want the people to say this? No. It was out of the hikmah and the wisdom of the Prophet that he didn't do this. So after hearing this, the Prophet he quickly ordered for the companions to get up and prepare to leave immediately. And this was at a time of the day where it was generally not customary for the Prophet to move. But in order for the Muslims to get busy with preparing to leave so that this, this, these words of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul wouldn't spread and cause fitna, the Prophet said, okay, let's get up and let's leave in order for this fitna to die down so the word wouldn't spread and cause more fitna between the Muhajireen and the Ansar. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered for the journey to start. And he did this to distract the companions so that they would become busy with preparing to leave. And the words of Abdullah ibn Ubay wouldn't spread and cause this fitna. So eventually Abdullah ibn Ubay, he heard that the Prophet ﷺ was informed of his statement. He heard that the news had reached the Prophet ﷺ of what he said about these evil words that he said. So he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he swore. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Wallahi, I didn't say it. They're lying about me. So he lied in the face of the Prophet ﷺ. He swore by Allah that he never said these words, but in actuality, he did say them. So he swore to the Prophet ﷺ that he didn't say anything. And then the people started to think that, okay, maybe Zayd ibn Arqam, he's just a young boy. You know, maybe he misunderstood, maybe he misheard. So some of the people actually started to get angry at Zayd ibn Arqam. They started to get angry at the young boy. They're saying, look, you started this fitna. And Zayd, of course, he was very sad because he knew he was telling the truth. He knew exactly what he heard. So he became very sad. And he was so sad because he thought that the Prophet ﷺ believes Abdullah ibn Ubay and he doesn't believe me. So that really, really made him feel very sad. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a surah of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surah Al-Munafiqoon. And in Surah Al-Munafiqoon, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it very clear that Abdullah ibn Ubay did say these words and that Zayd ibn Arqam was telling the truth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirmed what this young boy, what Zayd ibn Arqam said. So when the Prophet ﷺ received the revelation of the surah, he called for Zayd. The Prophet ﷺ was very, very caring and he was very sensitive to the feelings of his companions. Even though this was a young boy, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to give him the importance. So he called for Zayd. And then when they brought Zayd to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-Munafiqoon to him. And he said to Zayd radiallahu anhu that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed that you were telling the truth. And then Zayd radiallahu anhu, he was very happy. He was very happy. So now the news was out that Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the head of the hypocrites, he said such a bad statement about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, When we return to Medina, then the honorable ones will expel the dishonorable ones. And he meant by that, that he, 
Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul and the Munafiqeen, they would expel the Prophet and the Muhajireen from Al Madinah. What an evil statement that he made. And the news now is out that in actuality, yes, Abdullah ibn Ubay did make this statement. So one of the companions, Usaid ibn Hudayr from the tribe of Aus, he said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, rather you are the honorable one. You are Al-Az. And Abdullah ibn Ubay, he is Al-Adhal. Ya Rasulullah, you are the honorable one. And Abdullah ibn Ubay is the disgraceful and the dishonorable one. And then Usaid said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, the reason why Abdullah ibn Ubay is causing these problems and saying these things, the reason why he has so much hatred for you, Ya Rasulullah, is because before you came to Medina, before you came to Medina, Medina didn't really have a leader. And the people of Medina were ready to make Abdullah ibn Ubay the leader, the ruler of Medina. So he was almost going to be made the ruler of Medina, but then you came and you became the ruler of Medina, Ya Rasulullah. So Abdullah ibn Ubay, he has that bitterness in his heart. He thinks that you took away the leadership position from him. And that's why he has so much hatred and so much bitterness towards you. The son of Abdullah ibn Ubay, his name was also Abdullah. Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Ubay. He was a good Muslim. Even though his father was the head of the Munafiqeen, Abdullah ibn Abdullah, he was a good pious Muslim. And he went to the Prophet wasallam and he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know that there is no one who is more respectful and dutiful towards his father than me. I am someone who is known for birrul walidain. I am very honorable and respectful and dutiful towards my father. But Ya Rasulullah, I will kill my father for disrespecting you. I am ready to go and kill him for disrespecting you. You just give me the order, I will bring you his head, Ya Rasulullah. So this was the level that even the son was ready to kill his own father out of respect for the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet وسلم, said to Abdullah ibn Abdullah, he said, no, 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 leave him, leave him. And we will continue to be kind to him and we will continue be, to be nice to him. We will continue to treat your father with kindness and niceness as long as he is with us. So he told the son of Abdullah ibn Ubayd, don't kill him. So Abdullah, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubayd, he went forward until he reached the entrance of Medina, until he reached the entry point of Medina. And then he stopped there and he took out his sword. So eventually, the Muslims, they started passing. They were on their way back to Medina. So the Muslims, they started passing and they saw Abdullah ibn Abdullah, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay. They saw him standing there at the entrance to Medina. And they saw him standing there and they wondered, what is he standing here for? And they would pass through and they would go to, they would go to the city. They would enter Al Medina. Now eventually, Abdullah's father, Abdullah ibn Ubay, came face to face with his son. The son was already there waiting at the entrance of, the, of Medina with his sword out. And then his father, Abdullah ibn Ubay, the head of the Munafiqeen, he came. And the son said, stop, you cannot move forward. And then the father said, what are you talking about? And then the son said, you will not be allowed to enter Medina 
until you admit that the messenger of Allah is Al-Aziz and you are Al-Zalil. You will not be allowed to go past me. I will not let you past me until you admit that Rasulullah is the honorable one and you are the disgraceful one. And then the father said, what are you talking about? How dare you talk like that to me? And he said, you will not pass me. You will not walk past me until you admit it. And he said, I will not let you through until the Prophet ﷺ gives you permission to enter. Until you get explicit permission from Rasulullah ﷺ that you are allowed to enter Medina, you will not walk past me. So the news went back to the Prophet ﷺ that this is the situation between Abdullah ibn Ubay and his son. And the son is saying that he will not be allowed to enter until he gets specific permission from the Prophet So when Rasulullah heard this, he said, I give him my permission to enter. I give him my permission to enter. So once the permission was relayed, then Abdullah ibn Abdullah, he allowed his father to go through. He said, because the Prophet gave you permission, that is the only reason you are going through. And then he let him go through. So look at this mawqif, look at this situation between the father and the son. The honor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the companion's heart, it was greater than the love that they had for their fathers, their mothers, their children, even themselves. So no one could dare infringe upon the honor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this was the situation of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul now the head of the Munafiqeen and now he's humiliated even more because the Muslims know these bad words that he said regarding the Prophet So now that he was exposed and humiliated, the enmity that Abdullah ibn Ubay had and the hatred that he had towards the Prophet and the Muslims, now it grew even more. So now around the same time, another incident that took place around this time was when the Muslim army was heading back from al muraysiyah when they were on their way back to Al-Madinah. Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha, she was accompanying the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam on that journey. She had actually accompanied the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to al muraysiyah during the battle of Bani Al-Mustaliq. So when they were on their way back to Medina, they would stop by at certain points as rest stops. So they would rest, you know, and they would uh, take care of whatever needs they have. If they needed to drink water or whatever they needed, they would rest at some points during the journey and then they would continue on. Then they would rest and they would continue on. So there were certain rest stops that they would stop at on the way back to al Madina. So at one of these rest stops, at one of these rest stops, Aisha radiallahu anha was accidentally left behind. So what happened here was Aisha radiallahu anha, she lost a necklace that she had. And she went to look for that necklace and she went far off searching for that necklace. This was at one of the rest stops. So while she was far off looking for the necklace, the time came to get up and continue the journey. So the way that women were carried in these journeys, they were carried 
in something called a haudaj. And a haudaj was like a portable tent. A portable tent that was covered and that could be lifted and put on the camel. So when it was time to leave, a number of men would pick up the haudaj and then they would put it back on the camel. And the woman, she would be inside the haudaj and she could have her privacy even while she was traveling on the camel. So when it came time to leave this rest stop and Aisha radiallahu anha, she was far off looking for her necklace. The men, they picked up the haudaj and they put it on the camel. And they didn't realize that Aisha radiallahu anha was not in it. They thought that she was inside. And even when they picked it up and put it on the camel, they had no idea that she wasn't inside. She was so light in terms of her weight that they didn't even know the difference between the haudaj with her in it or with her outside of it. It wasn't much of a difference in the weight because she was so light. So they picked it up and they put it on the camel thinking she was inside and they left. Eventually Aisha radiallahu anha, she found her necklace and she came back to the camp. And then she realized everyone is gone. Everyone is gone. So she decided that the smartest thing to do would be just to stay in this position, to stay in the position where the camp was, because eventually someone is going to figure out that she's missing and they will come back to where they left her. So she thought that instead of going and looking for them, maybe they will come back to look for me and I will be in the front and they will be coming in the back and we'll miss each other. But if I stay here, they will come back to get me and that would be the safest thing to do. So that's what she decided to do. She decided to wait in that position. So she was waiting and waiting and waiting and eventually she fell asleep. She fell asleep. Then one of the companions, one of the great companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Safwan ibn al-Mu'attil radiallahu an, he came from the back and he was way behind the army. The reason why he was way behind the army was because he was given the responsibility to stay behind the army so that if the army on their way while they're moving, if anything drops or if they left anything behind, he would come and see and he would pick everything up and go forward. So they used to keep someone in the back to, to be able to pick up whatever may drop from the caravan. So Safwan ibn al-Mu'attil was assigned with this duty. So he was in the back. So eventually he came and he caught up and he reached the place where Aisha radiallahu anha was sleeping. And he saw her there. And he saw her sleeping. And he realized that she was left behind. He realized that she must have accidentally been left behind. Because there's no way that a woman would be here without anyone by herself. So he realized what the situation was. And he had two options here. He could either take her get off of his camel and let her sit on the camel and walk and go back to the Muslim army, catch up with the caravan. Or he could move forward himself and inform the army that you left Aisha radiallahu anha behind and then they would come back and get her. But the second option would not be a safe option because if he went himself and called them to come back and she's left alone during that time, some harm could come to her. That would not be safe for her. So he realized that the only option that he had was to bring her along to catch up with the caravan. So he got off of his camel and she was sleeping. He got off of his camel and to, to alert her, 
He said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. And when she heard this, she got up and she realized the situation. So without saying a word, he didn't say a word to her and she didn't say a word to him. He brought his camel and he kept it down and then he looked away so that she could mount the camel. Once she mounted the camel, he on foot guided the camel and they walked forward. He walked forward with the camel and Aisha radiallahu anha was sitting on the camel. And during the whole trip to catch up with the caravan, neither of them said one single word to the other. Aisha radiallahu anha didn't say a word to Safwan and Safwan radiallahu anha didn't say a word to Aisha radiallahu anha. And Aisha radiallahu anha mentions that the only thing that she heard from the mouth of Safwan was when he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un to wake her up. That's it. So eventually, Safwan leading by walking and Aisha radiallahu anha on his camel, eventually they caught up with the Muslim army. And when they caught up with the rest of the Muslim army, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he saw Safwan walking and Aisha radiallahu anha on his camel. And out of his hatred for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he saw an opportunity to hurt the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam by starting a rumor against his wife. By starting a rumor against Aisha radiallahu anha. So when he saw Safwan walking and Aisha radiallahu anha on the camel, he said, Wallahi ma najat minhu wa la naja minha. He said, something happened between her and him. Even though he didn't clearly say they did this and this, he signaled it with the words that he used. He said, Wallahi ma najat minhu wa la naja minha. Literally that means, Wallahi, she was not saved from him and he was not saved from her. So even though the wording is not clear, the implication is clear. He meant to accuse both of them of committing an act of immorality. So this was the level that Abdullah ibn Ubay had stooped to. This was the level of his kufr and his nifaq that he would start a false accusation against the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to hurt the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the period of this accusation, the period that this rumor spread, this was one of the most difficult periods in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It really hurt him a lot and it caused him a lot of pain. And of course, it was the most difficult time in the life of Aisha radiallahu anha and the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu anha and the, the, life, the life of the mother of Aisha radiallahu anha, the family of Aisha radiallahu anha. This was the most difficult period in their life. And this, this rumor, this false accusation, it is known as Hadithatul Ifk. It is known as the incident of the slander. And inshallah, next week we will talk about this great slander, this false accusation against our mother, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha, and how different people reacted to it. And we will speak about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself revealed verses in the Quran, freeing Aisha radiallahu anha from these false accusations and declaring the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha from these false accusations. Inshallah, we'll talk about that in detail next week. Bi idnillah. Wallahu alam. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.